Quick throw left side. Has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, man, not that I like more than stealing three minutes of the 5 o'clock hour. Well, maybe two. Depends on how you look at it. For a little Texans All Access, we got plenty for you tonight. Welcome into the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, and I am joined by the venerable, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, good evening, my friend. How are you? Wait, venerable sounds old to me. That no. just, you know. No, 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 no. No, venerable but, is respectable. Okay, I guess it's, yeah, I know it is respectable. But I think it's like, oh, I'm looking up the definition right now because I knew age had something to do with it. Accorded a great deal of respect, especially yes. because of age, wisdom, or character. Ah, ah wisdom, ah. eh, character, all yes. right, yes. age, no, got had it. Had nothing, age had nothing to do with it. I mean, you're younger than I am, so what are you talking about? I mean, come oh, on. please. Come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, combined, yeah, I don't know if we hit triple. Yeah, we hit Over 100 oh. years of experience <laughs> on the year. That doesn't sound good, actually. Over 100 years of experience of life combined. Oh, Johnny, yeah. have you seen – okay, so this is a good age measurement here, and this is good for the Sports okay. Radio 610 Texans radio audience right now off the, okay. off the top. Because, right. And I want to know how many of the hosts get this as well because – uh, Demarcus Walker, right? Sack yep. on Saturday night. Yep. And Lauren Walker, who's our unrelated, by the way, Lauren yes. Walker, who's our social media guru, and mm-hmm. she's like, I don't know, what is she? Twelve? No, she just graduated oh. not that long ago. She's yeah. very, very good at what she does. Uh, went to USC, also mm-hmm. um, Arizona, and. Uh, she she worked with both programs there. She's really great at what she does. Yep. Uh, she's super young compared to us. Anyway, she put a post up there, and this viral TikTok video from a few years ago, go DeMarcus, go DeMarcus. Yeah. And she put it up there with that audio from the original uh, viral video, mm-hmm. and it blew up. It blew up. The positive comments. I mean, <laughs> it's got to be our best-received <laughs> post other than Texans Pup. <laughs> the yeah. Texans dog. Oh, it's our best received post, Texans and I loved it. Killing it, he's yeah. killing it. Texans pup is the uh, he he's the hottest thing since sliced bread. It's it's unbelievable. But yeah, if he, I, I put things in, in perspective. I, we were talking to Lauren. We were I can't remember if we were at the office or lunch or something, and I I just said, Lauren, I probably shouldn't do this. Um, but I, I, how old are you? And she said, I'm twenty. Uh, I think she says 23. And I, I turned back to whoever I was talking to, and I was like, my son is a year and a half younger. That's yep. how it came together. I was like, oh, oh, my gosh. That's when I realized, oh, I'm old as dirt. But I still know football, and we know football. And that is what we're going to talk about. Now, the next segment, I do this during the season. I love doing it. It's called Texans Audio Jukebox. Tonight, it becomes Nick Casario. Audio jukebox because Nick went to the podium today for almost a half hour. I think it was about a half hour and handled any number of questions. There was one particular aspect he didn't want to talk about, and I agree wholeheartedly because of how things change every single day with that situation. So he did not talk or really 
uh, get into anything having to do with Deshaun Watson. And I thought one thing that he said having to do with that, uh, and it's, it's tough because on one end, Mark, you and I both know we're in the radio business, so we have to speculate. We have to, you know, hey, what if, you know, what if, what if this Texan played back in 2009? How would that have gone? I mean, we're always speculating, and he just said, I'm not going to speculate. And I, I, I agree because you do that in his position, and it ends up being uh, fodder for, you know, this 24-7, 365 content machine that we've got created in the media. So other than that, he had plenty of things to say. So I did a, uh, an audio jukebox kind of taking the – and playing the hits, and we'll do that in the second segment. But, Mark, today – I put this is the craziest time of the year in my tweet to announce the show. And I thought about all the different things that go on during the year. And I know the draft is a big one. I know the start of the league year is, is a big one. I feel like this time of year for GM and personnel staffs, and obviously the organization as such, is the busiest and craziest time of the year. You agree or disagree with that? Uh, even more so than draft weekend and the signing of the undrafted free agents, that kind of thing. I, I guess, you know, that's what I would ask you. Do you think it's busier than that, the actual draft weekend? I, I guess the draft itself, you only have the picks you have, but they have to pay ultra attention to everything that goes on. And what, you know, he said today, and I this is trending almost, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yep. He said that regarding, you know, some of the moves that you don't, that don't work out for you, but you got to take a shot. Uh, but I think that during the draft, there are a lot of shots you don't take. There are a lot of calls you take yep. and moves you don't make. And those are always the stories I'd love to hear, but you don't hear those stories, right? So-and-so offered us this and that for this guy or this pick, or they, and they didn't do it, and every team has stories like that. So I'd love to know that. I think that that is super busy, that weekend right there, Johnny. But I agree with you that this flurry of activity and trying to decide, let's see how we can improve this roster yep. with whatever we can get through waivers or whatever free agents are available after the cuts – has to be super busy because it's your last chance. You know, you can you can do things during the season, make moves. You have to make certain moves. Guys get hurt, whatever. But this is it. You know, you're trying to load up the boat before it leaves the harbor. And I do agree it's super busy. I th- Draft weekend is probably a little bit more, a, l- a little bit busier. Um, probably. However, the the way that you have to – assess your team, and put it all together. Now, it's not as if Nick Casario woke up after the Buccaneers game and went, oh, okay, let's let's take this into account. He's been doing it all along. Yeah. And the personnel, they've been doing it all along. So they had an idea of where the team was, but there still probably were some decisions that they had to make. You know, how many guys are they going to carry here? Well, if they carry this this many guys here. I He really went into roster management today in his press conference, and, and we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But – you have to assess 31 other teams. You have to look at 31 times, uh, I don't know, how many ever players, whether they were released or waived. Can you claim them on waivers? Can you put a, a waiver claim in for a guy? Do you have, you know, who on the initial 53 that you put out is going to end up being on the cut list? If you, I just think this one gets to be, there are a lot of lasers going in a lot of different directions. And you just kind of hope, like Ghostbusters, you don't cross the streams, um, and you end up uh, you end up getting it well, right. 
One of the things, Mark, that he talked about today, and you'll hear a little bit more about this uh, when we get to the second. You'll hear his comments exactly. But one of the things, and I want to talk about this because this is going to lead to a little bit of a discussion on the practice squad. We, I'm seeing some sources. I think Aaron Wilson's put out some names of guys. I don't know if this is everybody, but uh, it's not official. It's not come from the Texans. At least we've not, got, not gotten anything. We know Aaron's pretty tied in with agents and various players have put things out there. And so uh, we'll talk about that. But he talked not about the 53-man roster. He talked about a 69 or 70-man roster. And I thought it was uh, – the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, that's a, it's a pretty good – the way that, the, that COVID changed those rules, that you could bring up two guys – from the practice squad every single week. Now, I don't know. I think if you do it a certain number of times, like if you do it three times and you want to do it again, you have to bring that player permanently up to your 53. I think there's some rule in there like that. But he talked about how they think about it not as a 53-man roster, but they think about it as like a 69 or 70-man roster because you can pull somebody from practice squad. So the guys that end up making the practice squad – they have as good a shot as guys that are on the 53-man roster. Now, there has to be some transactional uh, things that go on to make it happen. But we've seen that, especially last year. We, we saw that plenty of times. You know, hey, this, guy's, this guy wasn't on the 53-man roster, I don't think. But, boy, he's suiting up on game night. I think, if I remember correctly, against the Chiefs in the week one game against them, Scotty Phillips, I remember him being out on the field. And he was on the practice squad the whole time. And they brought him up for that game, and then they were able to, to move him back to the practice squad because that's what the rules allowed last year, and they'll allow it this year. But I just thought it was interesting to, to think about it's not just 53 guys on the right side and then you got 16 guys over here on the left. We're talking about 69, 70 guys, and we're going to go to battle with the best 46. I thought it was a pretty interesting take out of what he had to say as it pertained to the practice squad. Well, look at it this way. If you're on the practice squad, Based on need, you could get elevated right. for game day and be part of that 46 while a member of the 53 sits mm-hmm. and you're actually playing because they need you because you play right. in a position group where there is a deficiency, right? So yes. that's pretty cool that you're able to do it. And, you know, some of the reported names on the Texans practice squad – are very recognizable. There are guys that they had here, a couple of extra guys, but guys that they've had here in camp. So uh, there's great familiarity there. They like who they had. I noticed that Brian Hoyer is on the Patriots practice squad. How about that? You're Brian Hoyer. You've been in the league over a decade. You're on the practice squad. But it's just different now the way it's handled, to your point, Johnny. So I think that it is terrific for these teams to be able to do it like that. It's great for the players to have that opportunity. And it softens the blow when you have COVID positives, other injury situations. The IR is very friendly now compared to the way it used to be during the COVID years. COVID years last year and this Mm -hmm. year. Very friendly IR. So it's good for the game. You know, we've always talked about this. I still feel like 46 is too light. Let them dress more guys. But you know what? At least they have more flexibility with who you can jam into that 53 slash 55 and the practice squad the way you laid it out. So I like that. He was, he's been very clear on that. I wrote that yesterday when I wrote about the 53. He's been very clear about it's about 70 guys, and yep. you know they're all in the building. We all work together. And if you're on that practice squad, you are balling out because you know that you have a chance to play on Sunday. Now, I 
seemingly went against my own rule and, and our rule, which we just talked about, and that is you look at the roster kind of as a 69-70 man unit. But I did write about every single guy that made the 53-man roster, and it would seem I went against my rule. However, we don't know the practice squad members exactly. We don't know them. Uh, we have not gotten official uh, yeah. thumbs up on it. And so when they do, we'll write about it. But I went every single player, gave a little mini scouting report, what I thought about them during the preseason, offense and defense and the specialists. Uh, so check it out, HoustonTexans.com. I know it posted on our social channels just a little while ago, and I retweeted it. Uh, Mark retweeted it. So go check that out. It's every single player in a 53. Now, this, the practice squad, we say this, and the practice squad to me and the day that undrafted free agents after the draft are signed are kind of one and the same because there have been many times where things get reported. Uh, let me give you an example. Marlon Williams, UCF. This past draft, it was reported almost everywhere that Marlon Williams was going to be a member of the Houston Texans. Marlon Williams never became a member of the Houston Texans, at least anything official. So this isn't the full list, but there are a lot of names that we know because they were they were with the they were with the Texans uh, back this training camp. So here are the names that you should know: Anthony Auclair, tight end. Defensive back, oh, I love this. I love the fact that Shaheem Carter is going to get back on the practice squad. And if you know the story about Shaheem Carter, I call him Coach Carter not because of the, the uh, Samuel Jackson movie. Samuel Jackson? Yeah, yeah, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Um, it's because Shaheem Carter was actually a, a graduate assistant at Alabama this past spring. He got a tryout to come to the Texans. He aced the tryout. They put him on the 90-man roster. Now he's made the practice squad. I know Shaheem wants to go out and make plays. He wants to be on the field. He wants to play. There's no doubt. But the fact that he's kind of gone through all that to get to this point, that's a, that's a massive step. And, and I love his approach. Uh, I think he's a great dude, and I think it's going to be fun. Quarterback, Jeff Driscoll. Offensive lineman. you got to help me with this one. Do we, did we ever get – Jolte uh, Froholt. It's okay. – uh... Yeah, it's Froholt, and it's um, – jeez, Johnny. <laughs> it's uh, He's not in the game yet, so I don't have to be held accountable <laughs> for this. That's what All right. it is. All right. It's, well, we'll... it's Yelda. Yelda. Yelda Froholt. That's right. Or okay. Yeldy or Yelda. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how you get that from that spelling, but you just do. I don't so know. Go he's with a it. tank. He's a tank. Um, two Aggies make it, the two rookies, Carson Green, Ryan McCollum. Um, I, I got the feeling just kind of – Watching James Campen, that he liked what he had in those Aggies, and he wanted some, some more time to work with him, um, so he gets that. Linebacker Hardy Nickerson Jr., uh, Chris Moore. You know, sometimes being in the building, you end up um, kind of see, you see things and you see people, and you're like, "Hmm." I read yesterday uh, that Chris Moore was released, and then I see him in the cafeteria. Huh, okay, so yes, Chris Moore back on the practice squad. I think Chris Moore is going to play for this team at some point. This year, safety, Jonathan Owens, J.O. 36 makes it back. Paul Questenberry, fullback. Lane Taylor gets on the practice squad. Now, I don't exactly know how that all works. The fact that he was on pop and then they released him with the failed designation, failed physical designation, and they get him back in practice squad. Either way, I like it. To get Lane Taylor and keep him around, I think is a good thing. Jordan B.C. is a name that we talked a lot about. He's got one heck of a story. I, I, it would take a half hour to tell his whole story. But 
it essentially included playing high school football in Alabama, two or three junior colleges, a trip out west, one year where he didn't even play football. When he got out west, that's when he caught the eye of the Cal football coaches. He graduated from Cal, I think, 17 or 18. Those are the two years he played at Cal. And he's just kind of been bouncing, looking for an opportunity. Well, he's going to be on the practice squad with the Texans. And two names, one that should be very familiar to eat him up Cougs out there, Isaiah Johnson, the corner, who I believe was the third or fourth round draft pick of the Raiders a couple years ago. And Antonio Phillips is a rookie from Ball State. Those two are like twins. They're they're thinner. They're not, you know, they're not real thin, but they're thin and long and can run. And those are guys that you know, it, they're all to me they're almost like AJ Boye. They're they're not real thin, but they're thinner, they're long and they can move. And that, that was A.J. Now, A.J. wasn't always the fastest guy, but A.J. had really good technique and was very competitive, and he learned how to use his length very well. Isaiah Johnson and Antonio Phillips are kind of one in the same. So, I like seeing those guys come back. Now, one name you don't see, and I didn't say as you're driving. You didn't see it, of course, because you're driving, so hopefully you didn't see it. But that is of Kiki QT. Yep. He was a name that uh, – you know, people were talking about through the day today. He apparently has signed with the Indianapolis Colts. Well, Mark, of course he did. Your thoughts? All right, Johnny, because he kills them. He's the Colt killer, right? He's had big games against the Colts. So, and this is no mystery. What do I always say? Teams always tend to sign more players from within their division than anywhere else because they see more of them than anybody. They see yep. them head-to-head. They see them on tape when they're playing. You know, you're playing Jacksonville. You see QT against Jacksonville. Like, there's QT again. Boy, we really like him. If he ever becomes yep. available, let's take a shot at him. <laughs> yeah. So correct. we'll see how it works out. You know, maybe it doesn't last. Maybe it does. Look, we the, the Kahale wearing saga, what about that? You go to New England, waved. You go to Colts, waved. I don't know where he is today. Maybe he's back playing water polo. I'm not sure. That didn't work out. But with QT, look, I like Kiki, and you wish him the best, just not in Indy. I cannot stand it when a Texan goes to a divisional opponent and it works out for him. Now, I know I shouldn't wish bad things to happen to people, and I really don't. But I wish bad things to happen to the Colts. So I'm torn here. You know how I feel. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell this story. I think it's so I you know I've known I've known Chris Ballard for for a long time, and so we were at the Senior Bowl after they beat us in the playoffs, and so we're sort of just kind of you know picking at one another, and of course he's got scoreboard because of the playoffs and stuff, and at some point uh, I made a I made a comment because in those two games that Kiki played in 2018, he had 11 catches in each game. And I said something about I said something about Kiki QT, you know, having so many catches. And he's like, "Oh man, you throw the ball to Kiki QT a hundred times." And I was like, "Well, now Chris Ballard gets the opportunity to throw the ball to Kiki QT a uh, hundred times." So uh, it, I, it, those things are really interesting to me how they how they sort of work out. But Kiki's had success in this league. I when I saw his name on the cutdown list, Mark, the first thing I thought about was change of scenery is needed. I just kind of felt like he needed that. Now, I think a lot of guys have come to Houston with a lot of vets, 
and they've gotten the change of scenery for themselves, I kind of feel like Kiki may have needed that for him. And we'll see whether it, it it sticks with the Colts, it stays with the Colts, or or not, and what's gonna uh, what's gonna end up happening uh, when we when we see him. But I got a I got a feeling when we see him on the field, um, man. Uh, I hope it I hope it goes the other way. But he had some really great games against Indianapolis Colts, and uh, I'm sure Chris Ballard and the Colts staff are looking to see him uh, do some. Even more, uh, I don't say amazing things, but do some good things for them. Now, Mark, I didn't do the math on that. I don't know how many names I said uh, in that list. But you can have up to 16. But the one thing that we haven't had just yet that I've seen, and I think they're going to come out later, are waiver claims. I haven't seen too many waiver claims yet. So I don't know where that's going. Yeah, I don't know where that's going either. They have the number three pick, obviously. And this is not something that was traded, okay? They still have the number three waiver claim pick. And you could pick – it doesn't go in order. You could pick ten guys, and if it gets by the first two, you're good. You've got these players. If it gets through Jacksonville and New York, you've got these players. So we'll see if that factors in to what they want to do. But those guys go to your 53. It's not like you're picking up a waiver a waived player and you put him on your practice squad. It doesn't work that way. He's got to become a free agent first, and then you can sign him to wherever you want to, as long as he agrees to the practice squad or agrees to come to your team. So we'll see how that plays. Look, I think that they clearly feel comfortable with what they've brought to camp because the practice squad, based on the reports, looks a lot like the Texans we've been watching in August, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I believe that they do feel pretty good about what they've got. You know, hearing Nick today, uh, and I, when I say feel good, it's not like Super Bowl good, but they feel like, okay, right. we can suit up with these guys and, and let it rip. And they understand what we're trying to do here. They understand the system. Uh, they want to run the snot out of the ball. Uh, you know, I look at Lane Taylor. That's one that intrigues me because you mentioned it, how they worked it out with Pop or whatever. Uh, as he's healthy, uh, you know, does does the practice squad vulnerability, does that factor in? He'll be automatically, I would imagine, if he's healthy, protected by them because he can yep. protect, I believe, four players a week. Yes. Yes. Uh, but they they do get exposed for, what is it, like a 12-hour to 24-hour period or something yeah. after the game. It's a weird rule uh, the way it plays out here. I don't even know why they do it that way, maybe because you know it's not fair to protect a practice squad guy if he has a chance to make more money on somebody's 53. But yeah. uh, just know I, this. I bet that's it. I bet, I, I bet that's, exactly, uh, that's exactly what it is. Um, I'm just kind of flipping through my Twitter timeline as we get ready to go to break, and I see Nick Casario – Handing Hippolito a couple hundred bucks for winning the Casario cash over under. Congratulations uh, to him. Congratulations, Nick uh, Casario, because he stepped up to the mic today, owned it for about a half hour, and I've got Nick Casario audio jukebox. He touches on Floyd Reese, Hurricane Ida, Deshaun Watson. Didn't get too much of that, but he did address it. He talked about roster management. He used the term inside the formation, which was, I think, pretty cool. And we learned today that Nick Casario geeks out to the salary cap. Nick Casario, audio jukebox next right here on Texans All Access. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. You've got a lot going on. So how do you find time to take care of you? 
At Houston Methodist, we work around your busy life. There's same-day primary care appointments, online scheduling to see our world-class specialists, access to all your records through my chart, and video visits 24-7 if you need urgent care. Bringing you Houston Methodist's expertise wherever, whenever you need it. Visit HoustonMethodist.org to find the care you need at locations throughout Houston. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. This Labor Day, put an end to junk sleep. Right now at Mattress Firm, save up to $500 on our top-rated brands when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $699 on Sealy. Or shop Tempur-Pedic and save up to $700 on adjustable mattress sets. With our highly trained sleep experts and our low price guarantee, you can rest assured you'll get the best bed at the best price. Unjunk your sleep only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. What do you call a group of friends who spend every Sunday huddled around the TV for hours, wearing horns on their heads and blue and red paint on their faces, jumping with a Miller Lite in one hand and a hot barbecue short rib in the other, while proudly chanting, we are Texans. You call it Miller time in Houston. Here's to the Texans. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. From preseason to the playoffs, Fun Location has Texas-sized accommodations and travel packages to cheer on your Houston Texan. As the official fan travel partner of the Houston Texans, On Location brings the Texas hospitality wherever the Texans go. Visit NFLOnLocation.com slash Texans and book today. That's NFLOnLocation.com slash Texans for the best accommodations and fan travel packages to root for your Houston Texans. Texans Talk on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Day Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. And as we mentioned and teased in the first segment, Nick Casario met with the media, handled all types of questions. Bada bang, bada bang, man. They were coming from all different directions. But when you come to a press conference with Nick Casario, I'm learning he's going to take the mic right off the bat. He had a pretty poignant opening statement, had a number of things to say. He talked about Floyd Reese, the former uh, Tennessee Titans GM, worked with Houston Oilers, also worked with the Patriots. Nick knew him very well. He also talked about Hurricane Ida. And he did give a little bit of an update on number four to Sean Watson. Before we get to football, uh, just a couple quick comments. Um, before we get to the big cash giveaway, I know everybody's here for that as well a little bit later, but uh, I know it's exciting. Um, you know, I'd say since the last time we, we talked, um, you know, even going back, we talked there before training camp, you know, talked about kind of the fragility of life and things that happened, right? We talked about Coach Knapp and his situation at that time. And unfortunately, um, I would say just reflecting quickly on Floyd Reese, who I would say probably Mark and John probably closest to him or know him the best, just the impact that he had on the Houston area and the Houston community, the Houston Oilers franchise and what he did for the organization. Uh, I was fortunately able to have a personal relationship with Floyd in New England. Uh, he was an invaluable resource, a mentor, a friend. Uh, quite frankly, taught me a lot in a short period of time, um, how to act with grace, how to act with humility. Um, never had a bad day, always had a good attitude. Um, and his experience, I would say, as I transitioned roles was certainly something that having uh, that voice or that presence right down the hall, you know, was certainly valuable 
um, and appreciate it. So, um, again, I know not everybody knew Floyd. Uh, not everybody had a relationship with Floyd, but I think his impact on the on the Houston community in the Houston area um, spoke volumes. Um, you know, and I think it's, you know, whenever you lose a life or lose somebody, um, it's always good to reflect on, on the good that they did and that they provided. Uh, secondly, um, I think as we look at some of the recent events, um, you know, those people that have been displaced and impacted and affected by the hurricane on Louisiana, I'd say I'm sure all of you have some friends here in Louisiana. We have some folks on our staff, uh, quite frankly, that have been affected by that. So, again, it kind of puts everything in perspective. Uh, I know I have, wasn't here for it, but I know the city of Houston is experiencing something similar. Um, and, again, I think it's a reminder for all of us just each day is a blessing, um, an opportunity for us to be appreciative for what we have. Um, really, there's no bad days. You know, some days are better than others. Um, there's no bad days. So I think it's important for, you know, send our thoughts and prayers to the, the state of Louisiana and the folks that are uh, affected. And I know there's a, a number of Houstonians that are doing their part to, to help and, and as best they can. Um, you know, on the football side of things, where we are, um, again, we, we it's been about a month since we had the opportunity to speak um, in training camp. And at that time, we didn't really know a lot or have a lot of information. Uh, I think when we started training camp, uh, we wanted to accomplish some things as a team. Um, when you look back at kind of what we were trying to accomplish, it's a kind of put a philosophy and a foundation in place, teach our players, um, you know, coaching philosophy and teaching the system, give them an opportunity to learn the system, have as much competition as possible on the team, um, you know, and, and establish a culture and a foundation of, of what we're trying to do and the things that we believe in. Um, and, and for the most part, on the health standpoint, it, try to stay healthy. So I'd say those three or four things were some, as we started training camp, were things that were, we were going to try to accomplish and, you know, we're, we're at the forefront. I'd say for the most part, we were able to do that. Um, again, it's never easy to reduce the roster or cut down the roster. Um, you know, there's always, after the fact, go back and look at it and say, okay, you know, what could have happened? How was this decision made? There's probably eight to ten players that weren't on the 53-man roster that very easily could have made the team. So, again, I think a lot of it is just roster management and resource allocation. Um, and in the end, we're always going to do what we feel is best, you know, for our team um, at the time. And I'd say this will be a very fluid process. Uh, the team-building process isn't going to stop because we have 53 players on the roster. That's a reality of it. I think you guys have been around here long enough here to see that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, but again, we'll try to make smart decisions. We'll try to make good decisions um, as we go. Um, I'm going to say the last thing, you know, I know we talked about this at the start of training camp as well as it pertains to uh, Deshaun's situation. Um, what I would say about that is really no different than what we talked about at the beginning of training camp. Um, we're going to each day, we're going to make the decision that we feel is best. I would say, again, it's a one-step process. Deshaun's been here every day. He's been in training camp every day. He's been in the building. He's been in meetings. He's been around his teammates. Um, and, again, we're going to take it one day at a time. I'm not going to get into a lot of speculation about what has happened, what didn't happen. It's, it's a waste of everybody's time, quite frankly. I think there's more important things to talk about. So, again, we're going to take it one day at a time. We're going to do what we feel is best for our team and organization. Um, and, again, I would say there's no finite answer. There's no definitive answer here at this point, um, and that's how we're going to handle it. Okay, so um, having said that, you know, we'll, we'll open it up to some questions and, and go from there. Of course, the Houston media was going to continue to ask about Deshaun, and Nick Casario essentially said, not going to speculate, not going to put any speculation, and really not going to respond to speculation. 
Again, I'm not going to get into speculation about what could or could not have happened. Again, each day we take information, we process it, and then we go about our business and try to make the right decision and the best decision at the time. So that's that's what we did. He's on the roster. He's on our team. Again, what does that mean moving forward? Again, it's a one day at a time, I would say, a proposition and endeavor, and that's how we're going to handle it. So although he was asked a few more questions, Nick pretty much gave the same answer, and I think it's the right answer. We take it day by day and see what occurs because especially in Deshaun's situation the legal aspect of this can change from minute to minute hour to hour day to day you just never know and I think Nick uh, had pretty much the same answer when he was asked about Deshaun Watson now when he was asked about the receivers been a lot made about hey look you kept five receivers and a couple of them have been banged up what was the thought process in that and Nick addressed that what I would say, when you look at the construction of the roster, you have to look at, okay, where is your depth? Is your depth on the roster? Is your depth off the roster? Okay, that's a certain positions. We probably have a little bit more depth on the roster versus off the roster. Other positions, some of our depth is off the roster. Um, I would say we're going to look at everything. You know, we're not going to rule anything out. Um, again, will we have five receivers tomorrow? Maybe, maybe not. Will we have five receivers for the Jacksonville game? You know, probably, probably not. You know, it could be more, it could be less. But again, you have to look at how many can you carry on the roster? Where's your depth off the roster? And then really you have to look at what happens on game day. How many players can you actually take to the game? You know, you can only take X amount of players. Certain positions are going to have more than others. So again, where we are today, probably where we're not going to be here two weeks from now. So again, we'll look at all options. You guys know how much I love the personnel side of things. And so hearing Nick kind of dabble into that and talk about keeping the number of players that they do and how they go about it, I thought that was pretty interesting. He continued along those lines. And one of the things he discussed in this next clip was about inside the formation players. I think he was initially asked about Anthony Miller. We'll get an update on Anthony Miller uh, a little bit later down the road. But the Anthony Miller question sort of led to... You know, how do you look at that? He's kind of an inside receiver. Kind of, what do you do with that? I thought Nick had a pretty interesting answer because he talked about the impact of sub-package defense, sub-package offense. Here's what he had to say. How are you going to play offensively? What's the role for that particular player? Maybe it's a different type of concept or a different type of player. Maybe it's, I would say, a non-traditional player or position inside the formation. Again, when you look at inside the formation players, they come in many different shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's a receiver. Sometimes it's a tight end. Sometimes it's a running back. So how are you going to deploy your assets? What's the formationing look like? What does the defense do on the other side of the ball? Because that dictates maybe what you want to do, how you want to attack the defense. So, again, I would say the league, when you go through the league, and I'm sure you guys have looked at this, 65 70% of it has become kind of substituted defense and substituted offense, if you will, right? So more 11 personnel type team versus nickel defense, right? So if you're going to be a big three receiver team, then maybe that uh, position has more relevance. Maybe if you're not going to be as much of an 11 personnel team, then maybe it's not as important. I'm not saying one way or another what we're going to be, but again, you have to look at, okay, a lot of that is game plan driven and dictated by what the other team is doing. So if this certain personnel is going to give them more problems, then maybe you want to play the game that way. If this personnel maybe, you know, so again, it's about mixing and matching, and it's about what you're going to ask that player to do relative to the particular role. I would say where that, regardless of who that is, where it probably factors the most is probably on third down, potentially, right? And I wouldn't say as much in the red area. The red area is kind of an entity in and of itself. Because the red area, it's close, close space, tighter space. I would say the run game is involved in, in the red area. The, the force happens quicker. The safeties are lower. Everything happens a little bit quicker. So, again, it's whoever that player is, 
what are you going to do with that player? When are you going to use him? And what's the overall construction of what you're doing offensively? So, again, I would say that kind of goes into that. Hopefully that answers your question. Now, there was obviously a lot of questions, and there were a lot of questions about Deshaun Watson. Right now on the roster, he's the number three quarterbacks. Number three quarterback, you got Terod Taylor and Davis Mills. So, Nick, are you comfortable with two quarterbacks? Again, his answer really building upon this idea of roster management, which I love hearing about. It's week to week. So again, where's your depth on the team? Is it on the, on the roster or is it off the roster? Okay, then each week you can bring X number of players to the game. Um, and again, with the the way the roster, I would say construction, it's similar to last year, right? So we're looking at it as really 65 to 70 players each week that are available. Okay, not necessarily they're all going to play, but you have the ability to bring two players from your practice squad each week. So maybe you gain an extra player from that particular group. So each week that could be a little bit different. And again, what are your needs for the game and what's the game plan consist of and and what are you trying to accomplish? So I think that mark is probably going to be, you know, a big part of the discussion. And I would say when you look at the league in totality, some teams have three quarterbacks on the roster. Some teams have two quarterbacks on the roster and one or two on the practice squad or however they're going to do it, right? And maybe that player that's off the roster might actually get to the game. So, again, I think as we approach it, what we've talked about as a staff, what David and I have talked about, look at the roster in totality, understanding and and making sure our players understand you're essentially available to play every Sunday. So you have to prepare accordingly. It's not, well, these guys are on the practice squad. Let's throw these guys in a dumpster fire like they have no relevance. They actually are as important as the players that are on the roster. So philosophically, that's our mindset. And I think if our players understand that and our staff understands that, then we can attack the week accordingly and understanding that we have essentially everybody accessible on a weekly basis that could potentially play in the game. Now, a lot of you know that I did radio with Sean Pendergast back, back in the day. And we had a tremendous show. But now he does a show with Seth Payne. And I do a lot of radio with Mark Vandermeer. So we split up. But one thing I do remember about what Sean said. He said, everybody geeks out about something. And he always used to look at me and goes, well, yours, yours is easy. Everybody knows what you geek out about. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah, pretty simple. And we all kind of know what Sean geeks out about. Uh, you know, wrestling and uh, Diet Coke business. I tend to think that Nick Casario starts to geek out when you start asking him about math and salary cap and numbers. It was like watching him during a press conference. It felt like he just lit up. And that's my kind of guy. I taught math a long time ago. So Nick Casario asked about the salary cap and the numbers and kind of how all that works. He really sort of geeked out with this answer, and I loved it. You have to look at everything in totality, um, everything that comes along with it. I would say from where we started and go back in February to where we are now, we're in a lot better position. I, mean, I think we're in the middle of the league in terms of cap space that's available. And I think when we started in February, we were 40th of 32 or whatever it was. So, again, we've had to make some, you know, some changes. So, and again, I think that's a very fluid situation as well because whatever money you have available now, you have to earmark for res- injured reserve, practice squad. So let's say the number's 20. Let's just use that as a number. It's really not 20. It's probably 8 to you know, eight to 10 you have to allocate for that. So it really leaves you 10, right? So then let's think about, okay, do we want to use that this year? Do we want to carry it over into next year? So then you start to think about, all right, how many players do we maybe have under contract right now? What does that cap situa- situation look like currently? Understanding if that could change. So if you look at it in two-year windows or two-year increments, that's probably the appropriate way to do it. Um, understanding whatever you do in one year is going to affect what happens the next year. So, again, you can try to look at it in totality. And, again, like you try to 
allocate resource as best you can and try to mitigate your risk and your downside, understanding that, okay, there's sometimes going to be a cost of doing business, and that just comes with the territory. So, again, try to make good decisions, understanding maybe it doesn't go the way you hope, and then, okay, we just have to move forward and just be cognizant of what's what's ahead. So we're trying to balance short-term, okay, let's get ready for Jacksonville, where are we right now, and also thinking about, all right, maybe there's some things we want to look forward to. I mean, look, we have, I don't know, a lot of players that are under contract for next year. So obviously we're going to either have to do something with those players or there's going to be another group of players next year. So don't want to really talk about next year, but you're always kind of looking at both, I would say, areas, short-term and, and longer-term. Then my man B. Scott got on the mic. And this was something that, I go back to Sean and Seth, I, they talked about this. And Seth actually, I think, brought it up today. I was, I was listening to them as I was on my walk. I think that was today. The days are all sort of running together. But Seth, I remember mentioning at some point saying that he was sending Brandon Scott over to the press conference to ask one particular question. And he did. He asked this particular question and it had to do with day three draft picks and what's his philosophy because we've seen a lot of different deals. Ryan Izzo for a seventh, Kadar Holman for a seventh. We've seen a lot of wheeling and dealing with those day three picks. And so Seth wanted Brandon to ask and he did and here's Nick's response. Some of that is a cost of doing business. Um, so how do you get a player on your team? So you have to balance, okay, what is the opportunity cost of getting that player on a team? How can we do it? And again, like anything, it's a risk analysis. So you have to, okay, if we make this decision, this could potentially impact this other decision. So I'd say using late round picks potentially to acquire players to get them in your building, I think it's something we're never going to shy away from. Um, again, then it's like, well, do you value the draft pick when you give away sixth and seventh round picks? I would say we don't look at it that way. We look at it in, in, from the standpoint of, okay, this is the cost of what it would take to get that player here. Do we feel that it makes sense? And if it does, we go ahead and do it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, again, however we have to get players in the building, however we have to get players on the team, so whether it's waiver wire, whether it's a free agent signing, whether it's a trade, whether it's a flip of picks, um, again, when you look at, I think there was a handful of trades that were done over the weekend. A lot of them were flip of picks. So then it's really, you're just moving within slots. So again, I think sometimes people get too caught up in, oh, they gave up a draft pick. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's, everybody has an opinion on that, but if that's what it costs to get the player in the building and you feel like that's, you have to do a risk analysis, then it makes sense to do. Like, we're not going to be afraid to do things. I mean, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So for every uh, decision you make, okay, could it affect another decision? Well, that's okay. We just have to be comfortable with it and just make sure everybody – and I would say this, from David to ownership, they're supportive of that endeavor. So, again, as long as we explain why we're doing this and here's how we can get this player on the team or here's why it makes sense to do, then you go ahead and make a decision and, you know, you live with it one way or another. Of course, after the initial 53-man roster came out, everybody went to the running back list and went, one, two, three, four, five? And Nick addressed that. I think this is about where is your depth, how do you carry your depth, and I think one thing that you have to factor in is, okay, when you release a player off the roster, okay, and you put them on a waiver wire, you're exposing them, and you may, not, may or may not be able to get that player back. So, again, I wouldn't say that's always the case of why you keep a player on the roster. I would say other players earned you know, the opportunity to be on the roster with their performance. So, again, I would say go back to, I think, with Brooks's question or another question, you're kind of looking at both the short term and then maybe thinking about, you know, maybe a year from now. So, again, what does that look like? Okay, and, again, understanding that this is all very fluid, 
but I'd say, you know, we have a lot of, I would say, numbers on paper. Obviously, we can't put five running backs on the field unless we're going to run the wishbone like Oklahoma did, but we're not going to do that. I mean, everybody thinks we are, but we're not. But so, again, you can only take so many to the game, and it's just about how do you keep your depth on the roster, you carry it off the roster, you put it on the practice squad. So, again, I would say that's probably more the thought process, you know, more than, you know, we want 26 running backs on the team. I swear to you, if Tim Kelly comes out on the wishbone on the very first play, and has three receivers in the backfield instead of any running backs, I'll go crazy. Just if he's in the wishbone, I'll go absolutely berserk if that happens. Okay, on the other side, I got a couple other cuts that I really liked. One about Justin Reed, and one about the quarterbacks, Davis Mills' progress, and a certain quarterback that Nick spent 2020 with is available on the market. His name is Cam Newton. What did Nick have to say about that? It's next on Texans All Access. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value. All while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! What makes one head of lettuce better than another? What makes a grape greater? At Kroger, we take scrutinizing freshness to a whole new level. We're only the best of the best of the best will do. We're seriously serious about what goes on our shelves, so only the freshest makes the grade. That means not every leafy green leaves the field. Not every cauliflower makes the cut. So if we've got it at Kroger, you can bet your bananas that it's not just fresh, it's fresher than fresh. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Can you feel it? Hear it. It's all around you. It's the air we share. At Daikin, the world's number one air conditioning company, we're pioneering technologies to perfect and protect the air that connects us all. Even now, we're working towards reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050, while developing new ways to make the air indoors perfect. Daikin is a proud sponsor of the Houston Texans, and we're hiring. Visit DaikinLovesHouston.com. We're the only radio station giving you money straight from the Texans general manager's pocket. Nick Casario gave 610 listeners an opportunity. The guys at 610 take a poll. How many roster transactions are the Houston Texans going to have? And I'll maybe give 100 bucks to the winner. The listener who got the number right and then was randomly selected was Hippolito Ariaga of Katy. I'm excited. I love it. And keep listening for Texans experiences you won't find anywhere else. That's why I listen to 610. 10, man. Y'all are fantastic. Insider Access. Exclusive content. Sports Radio 610. The Texans play here. To a child, time spent outside is never a waste. Play is a job and a serious one at that. And each day is a new opportunity for adventure. At Texas Children's Hospital, we're all about happy, healthy kids. And as the official Children's Hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60, we join our hometown team in hoping that in your house, play never goes out of style. More Texans Radio is on the way. It's like Netflix, but free. Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans Radio shows. 
Yes, sir. Do it. Houston, Texas app. Make sure you get it. HoustonTexas.com. You can see the two articles that I wrote uh, encompassing the 53-man roster. I am John Harris, your host. Glad to be with you. I mentioned in the last segment, I teased a couple of clips I want to hear, uh, and I want you to hear as well. The first one, um, I think it might have been the last question that, that Nick was asked, or one of the last ones. He was asked about the progress of Davis Mills. Oh, yeah, this was the general. The progress of Davis Mills, and is there any interest in Cam Newton? Um, no, I'd say like most players, um, you know, there's been some good plays. There's been some bad plays. I think everybody has them, whether you're a rookie or a 10-year veteran. Okay, I think, you know, the most important thing for many players is just consistency, consistency and being able to perform your job, you know, at a consistent level, you know, play after play. Look, everybody's going to have some bad plays. Um, and I think as long as we're improving, um, as long as we're making some progress, I mean, I think that's the most important thing. But the players that are on the team, they're, they're here for a reason. We're pleased with their progress. Is it perfect? No, not, not every play. But, again, as long as we're moving in the right direction and they're making improvements and taking the coaching, that's the most important thing. And to your second question, John, I would say, again, we're always going to look at you know what's out there um, alternative-wise. And, again, if there's a player that we feel makes sense for our team, we'll consider it. If there's not – then we won't. And again, whether it's now, whether it's two weeks from now, whether it's a month from now, you know, we'll just try to make a smart decision about players that come on our team. Yeah, he talking about Cam Newton. No, you never said the name Cam Newton, but here Nick there talking about progress that Davis Mills has made. I walked out of there thinking, all right, I don't know that Cam's going to end up being a Texan, uh, but a guy who is a Texan, uh, and hopefully he remains a Texan, is Justin Reed. And Mark Berman asked uh, Nick about follow, following up on a question he was asked, and, and I, I'm running out of, I ran out of time, and so I couldn't get all these questions in. But I thought a pretty interesting one is one that fans ask a lot. I know Sean Pendergast talks about this a lot on the morning show about signing contracts. You know, there's some, there's been some GMs that are like, nope, we don't talk during the season. Don't talk during the season. Only after the season. That's the only time we do it. And Nick was asked that question. He said, ah, you know, we kind of case by case basis. You know, if some players don't want to talk about it because they want to focus on the season. Some players, they want, to, they want to discuss it. And they said, we'll kind of do what the player wants to do in that, uh, in that regard. So Nick was asked about Justin Reed. Not so much the signing of him and when that's going to happen, but his thoughts about it and the thoughts of uh, what Justin means to this team. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, again, we look at everybody's situation. Again, we just kind of take it one day at a time, and I think that's a case-by-case basis. Every situation is different. You know, we're never going to comment, I would say, publicly, like on any of those discussions or what's going to take place. I mean, Justin's a good player. He's going to get been a good player here for, you know, a number of years now. So, again, got to take everything in totality and in the end just try to make the decision that makes, you know, sense for our team both now and in the future. Yeah, that's the thing about Justin. You'd like him to be here for the future. I want to see him here for the future. He had a great rookie year in 2018. I thought I thought he was a really key member. And I thought Justin Reed playing next to Tyra Matthew, if you had Kareem Jackson there safety, those are your three safeties going forward for a few years. Boy, that would have, it would have been expensive, but boy, it would have been a it would have been a a, a good fit. Uh, it did turn out that way. And then 2019, coming off that great year, Justin gets banged up, has the labrum issue, like, oh man. And he played well, but he just was banged up all year. And then 2020 was just a complete total mess from beginning to end. I mean, just a complete mess. So this is one of those years, and it's sort of difficult because now it's like, man, I got to prove that I still got it. Even though two of the three years, um, and even last year was a complete throwaway. There were some really good ball games, but there were a couple of games where I know Justin would, would tell you, uh, I can do a little bit better. 
That being said, this is a, this from that perspective, him being a third round pick. This is a contract year. What can he show? Everything that I've seen from him from training camp is he is on track to have an excellent season. And in all honesty, we need Justin Reed to have an excellent season. Nick Casario was very excellent today. We thank him. Mark Vandermeer for stopping by in the first segment to talk about the practice squad. Go check out all of our stuff at HoustonTexas.com. My man, Jay Mudd, Jimmy Mudd, keeping me on track making sure I don't say anything that I'll regret five minutes after I've said it. And all of you for listening, thank you so much. We will see you tomorrow. As always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. The Houston Texans Star of Courage Award presented by Apache recognizes a first responder who has demonstrated excellence in leadership, bravery, and a commitment to Houston. Over the last year, the Texans and Apache have recognized one first responder each month for their service to our community. Each winner receives a custom game ball, recognition on HoustonTexans.com, Texans social media, and Texans radio. Learn more and nominate a first responder today at HoustonTexans.com slash Star of Courage. The Houston Texans and Amogee Bank have teamed up to present the Small Business Boost. Bel Air Shoe Hospital Shoe and Leather Repair takes pride in their work and in being a small family-owned business. The owners support community causes, such as local schools and the Texas Prater Willie Association, and offers discounted repairs to all first responders and military veterans. For more info and to nominate your favorite business, visit HoustonTexans.com slash Business Boost. It's the Texans Small Business Boost, presented by Amogee Bank, a division of Zion's Bank Corporation, N.A., member FDIC. It's the classic dilemma at Whataburger. You pick up your patty melt with two fresh all-beef patties, melted Monterey Jack cheese, grilled onions, then creamy pepper sauce, and just when you're about to dig into Whataburger's take on this all-time classic, someone utters the dreaded words. Can I have a bite? Should you? Shouldn't you? Maybe you just take a big bite so you don't have to answer. Good thing that dilemma's over. Good thing there's the patty melt at Whataburger. The Houston Texans want your kid to play flag football. We're teaming up with the YMCA of Greater Houston to offer NFL flag football for boys and girls ages 7 through 13. Flag football is a safe, non-contact way to learn football. This skills-driven sport teaches teamwork, keeps kids physically active, and gets the whole family involved. Register before the deadline on September 3rd and you are entered to win tickets to a Texans game. Visit HoustonTexans.com slash YMCA flag. Calling all Houston Texans fans. It's time to take it to the house with Ashley Home Store. Enter for a chance to win two tickets to an upcoming Texans home game at NRG Stadium. To enter, simply text TEXANS to 797979 or visit any Houston Ashley Home Store location near you. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Enter today only at Ashley Home Store. This is home. Proud partner of the Houston Texans.